You're listening to Red Nation Online. And now it's in! What a sequence there! Agadello makes it three! One Agadello gets it just, just deserves coming on a song and just gets a very Saturday, June 3rd, Prospect 11's Aaron Nielsen, The Athletics, Joshua Cloak, I'm Ian Clark, and we're post-match trying to forget the forgettable. 3-0 TFC lost the New England Revolution. Has the international break come just in time? Questions abound as we try to put a finger on perhaps the worst league performance of the season. Not just as a team, but through several key players. We discuss a near-invisible Jovinko, a disorganized backline, and a midfield sorely missing Michael Bradley. Also, with Joshua on the pod, we discuss the athletic and the recent and upcoming footy talks. It's all that and more on the next 50 minutes on Eastside Stand Up. Opening line is that moving forward, guys, it's going to be the pink shirt. Does anyone disagree? I don't. <laughs> I, I you, know. want, you want to bring back the polka dots? I polka know. dots are done. Yeah. For I, gra- if anyone doesn't know, well, it looks like he's got a lucky shirt. <laughs> yeah, the lucky shirt. Yeah. Yeah, it was a lucky shirt. And he, uh, I don't want to ask him about fashion, but uh, he uh, he's worn that, that white shirt with the blue little specks on it for a while very clean cut look yeah and i gotta say another pet peeve is gotta tighten the tie up man either undo the under do right. undo the top button right undo the top button or you gotta like do it up tight it's a little in between there uh, polka dot vancouver white cap style shirt right although i gotta say i'm not gonna be sad to see it go she's not wearing a turtleneck <laughs> Who was that? Oh, it was the co- it was um, Kent City or whatever. Yeah, no, Real Salt Lake. Oh, yeah. Wearing his beige <laughs> turtleneck. Ugh. Awful. All right, guys. So obviously, uh, everyone by this point, when they hear this, is going to know this was the the game to forget. And we were sort of joking as we were watching, as we were leaving uh, Football Factory, that did anyone watch this game? Is anyone? Is anyone? Uh, this might be the one game that we'll know what the result was, but. I think a lot of people are kind of just put it in the bin and move on to the next one. Yeah, I mean, like I mentioned too, I think a lot of people probably footballed out after, you know, the afternoon's Champions League final. Um, it's it's tough. TFC just, they've, they've garnered a lot of good crowds at home. Uh, anytime they go on the road, um, you know, they lose a bit of that whatever, mojo, whatever you want to call it. And... Uh, it just, boy, they looked lost tonight. Just, just, it, 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 there was no cohesion. I think I saw, I think I counted twice, two well-executed strings of passes. Otherwise, it was just, uh, I, yeah, it's a game to forget. I think it may be, like, leading up to this game, there's obviously... There's talking points, but I mean, obviously, surrounding the roster and the starting 11 from, you know, going back maybe two weeks to after that Columbus game, because we saw them coming off the two uh, Voyagers Cup or Canadian Championship games that were sort of 
one was dicey, one they came back, you know, a game in between. And then, of course, players, you know, coming and going, you know, games without Jovanko, games with right. Jovanko, right. Josie gone, and then this week, this week we saw Bradley gone, so there's been a ton of rotation and turnaround in the roster, and I think this might have been the game where we got maybe stretched a little too much, you know, and, and the, the players that, you know, we've been talking so much about depth, I think, this season, and I think this was the game where the, the recipe or whatever you want to call it for this 11 just didn't quite come together. Yeah, again, I don't think we should, you know, I think we could be critical in the game, but I don't think we should emphasize the lack of quality of the players who played, but more look at how important especially Bradley is to the team, but yeah. even today Ricketts, right? Because Ricketts would have, a lot of reference tonight game when the game was in hand was that game in Columbus. And and arguably Javinko and... Vasquez. Vasquez, okay. You got it. We're more pivotal, pivotal in that game, but the difference maker was Ricketts in that game, right? And bringing on Hamilton or bringing on Zario is not the same impact, I guess, as, well, as we saw with... Well, Bradley. yeah, and we were talking about this before, but, like, Edwards, when he started the game, I said, okay, like, he looked comfortable, but, but as the game went on, the last 70 minutes, he just he showed no... No attacking presence. We were and excited so, for him. Yeah, of course. So I look. I, there's, I am as big a proponent of, of his play, and and I'm very much in his corner. But you can't just assume that a player that that's that's strong on the ball uh, is going to be able to, to score you know goals for you. And I just thought that him and Jovinko had had no chemistry whatsoever. Uh, he had that nice cross in to Vasquez, and maybe Vasquez should have scored. Um, but it, he's he's not a natural forward, and now moving forward, it's a bit tough for him because what do you do with him and Moro and Betashore? Like, where does he fit in? Because eventually, all these, you know, eventually everybody's going to be healthy, and Bradley and, and Altidore are going to be back, and you do wonder if he is going to solidify himself in the eleven. Yeah, I think I think he's mostly, and again, I think which hasn't happened to him yet, which could be an issue, is I think he's mostly seen as a reserve wing back. Yeah. And when in the earlier in the season it was either Bertershire hurt and so Morrow was moving around or Morrow missed games and he would be a direct replacement for him. And for the most part, I think he's good at that when you have Bradley in the center. And I think, you know, to my point just a couple of seconds ago, I think the one thing, and it's interesting because this is your first podcast with us, but Bradley, ever since he's come to this team, has been <laughs> a focal point every, you know, sure. all the time. Every, yeah. like, once um, in a while. And, you know, and, and, and what we've noticed with Bradley later into last season was his defensive ability and teams were players relying on, I would say, that third goal, Toronto allowed tonight, was certainly expecting Bradley to be there to clean it up. Absolutely. But the thing I noticed tonight was is Bradley, we also use Bradley as the um, guy who moves the ball from the goalkeeper into the center of the pitch. Yep. And today we're either expecting Mavinga to move up and be that person or uh, Vasquez. To go behind <laughs> and be the and, and ask more from him. Yeah. Right? And so I thought the whole team was disjointed tonight. Like I think if you looked at the past map of this team game tonight, most guys were out of position. Yeah, and right? and, and I don't want to be the guy that, that bangs the intangibles drum, but I do think that there's something to be said when when your captain is out sure, and sure. you know I, I, he's always just 
to me, he's just always had such a calming kind of influence, uh, at least this season as well. Um, and he's also the guy that, that is is pushing this team to, to kind of demand more. Even when they were six in a row, he was the one that kept saying, we have another level. And, you know, it's his first MLS game out of the season, and, and it was... His impact on the team. Well, I also, I also think, tonight. I also think this is the first game of the season. The loss of Johnson from last oh, team, right. was, was noticeable because what we are lacking, you know, depending on what you see, Sharon Vasquez, Vasquez, yeah, yeah, um, is you know we don't really have those defensive midfielders, and that's yep. Johnson's role. Like you know, I, engine, I think, I think right, everyone right. was expecting more out of Johnson than necessarily he was but what he was definitely he was you know we saw in the Canadian Championship last year he was Bradley 2.0 if we needed him and he was also you know a defensive midfielder that we could put in in any game where we were you know falling behind or not as gritty enough in the center midfield and you know ironically maybe even Delgado because Delgado is a guy who at least as we saw last game is at least a guy who's going to you know gritty or, or throw yeah, yeah. get a or, get a leg in well let's maybe let's as we go into the game i mean that's the we've talked about a lot of players and, and i think that for us when we this game kicked off it was a starting lineup that we were kind of mm. okay what is this what are we doing and we, we kind of we knew it was you, know, you look at we, we've been rolling out the three center backs we can week out even though mavinga is naturally a left-sided player but he has sort yep. of been that left yep. that left center back with more beta sure it was and it, but after that it was a Confusion, at least sure. for me, at least for oh, yeah. me, right? Because he lists Edwards, Sheru, Cooper, Vasquez, Jovinko. And I know we talked about, obviously, that it was Edwards and Jovinko up top. Um, it was interesting to see Cooper get a start. Mm. Maybe it was the hair. I don't know. Something <laughs> like that. But, you know, he's been, you know, hot, run, I run hot and cold with my assessment of Cooper and had to, like, obviously admit when the Atlanta game, he was amazing. Mm-hmm. The home game against Atlanta. And then just stank it up and... So, you know, today we saw a little bit from him that was like, yeah, he's, he can do a nice, receives the ball, the first guy that he can beat. He can always beat him, it seems like. Uh, and he did a couple of those this game, but, and had a great shot. Uh, but other than that, you know, you just like, you're waiting for, you're waiting for more from him. And it just doesn't I, I, I actually thought that after the way that uh, Endo played uh, against Ottawa, I thought he deserved to get a look. Uh, it starts a lot to ask for for a player like Endo, but maybe not. You know, like Vanny is 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 seemingly intent on just rolling rolling this lineup and, and just it's it's a it's in a constant state of flux. And it, it has to be because you're you're losing players, but if if that's the case, I think everybody deserves a look. Uh, I don't know why it took so long for Chapman to come on uh, today. The, the depth thing is so funny. We were talking. You were talking about that earlier. The depth thing is funny because, like, in a way, it could end up working against you when you get into August, September. It's like this is the eleven we have to roll with, you know, and and we have to find some kind of cohesion here. But if you're constantly working players in, uh, you know, like again with Edwards, players' roles need to be defined, and they, I, I think there are some that haven't, you know. So yeah, far. yeah. Well, I, I think, in, and, you know, part of this is by letting uh, Babule go, mm. is, is I think they're looking to say, can Edwards fulfill this position? Yeah. And this is a game, like, you know, again, context matters, right? And the Toronto's still six points and up in the East now. There's games in hand for other teams. And it's a away game, you know, middle of the season. 
half the team is away. You know, like right. like the irony is 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 we were having a similar conversation during the Seattle game where we're like they almost went into it to lose <laughs> and yeah. they actually turned around and won the game. Yeah. Right? So arguably if we give them the benefit of the doubt and said they went into this game not really overly caring about the result, I don't think you can look too much at the game individually and say, well, sure. you know, we're in trouble now and this is a, an issue. But that being said, I think, you know, I think there was things today that are worth flagging. Might, or no, yeah, things that might have been overlooked because how successful we were and stuff like that. I think, right. I think, and again, you know, I don't want to be too critical of him, but I think Javinko, you know, there's questions now regarding him in terms of motivation. Motivation, I guess, is a good word of putting it. He'll blame the turf, yeah. rightly or wrongly. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think we're late enough into the season now where you can start to say. Really, what's wrong here? Like, I, I don't think it's just injury related, and I don't have anything. Yeah. I don't have you anything to back that yeah. up. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't have anything to back that up. I'm just thinking that it's, it's, uh, it's a bit of frustration with the, the team as a whole, and I'm, I'm not seeing that. Uh, you know, because he's known for his highlight real goals, but there was just there's this constant drive to score. Mm-hmm. That just has not been, to me, has not been present. Well, and that, and that's what I almost lacked today is, is right. the willingness of individual yep. players to put this game on their back. And you know, maybe that is is they're overconfident. Like sure. you know, we've been winning games with ease. We can do it today, and and it, when it never happened, it was just like, oh, okay, well, it's, you know. Yeah, it's, it's, and I was like saying this this game to me, like I just even before I did, I, I thought it before, and we just kind of said it. I was like, it kind of felt like that Columbus game. The last right. one, the last one in Columbus, where I'm like, uh, we're probably gonna watch this game. And it's uh, we're gonna lose one nil, and maybe we'll get lucky and bang something in, or something will fall on our feet. Uh, obviously, that's not the way it went. Right. Um, but if you know, if we, I just want to like, kind of like run through the game just chronologically, and we can pull things out as we go through it. You know, if this game kicks off, and we we obviously highlighted Edwards and his one really. This one really good moment was when he was on the right side, oddly mm-hmm. enough, which was the same spot that he crossed it into uh, Hamilton, and he put a beautiful cross yeah, in. Yeah. But it was it was New England, of course, who opened the scoring, and it's just something about playing in New England. I mean, from the from back to 2007, I mean, it's just been a, such a fucking terrible venue for us, and uh, and New England has hammered us right from the get go. Right, every time we played at Gillette Stadium, and. It's, it sucks. It's I can't imagine what it's like to play there. I hate watching games there, <laughs> to be honest with you. I don't know how uh, the traveling support likes going there. And we were also making jokes on the way here, on the way back, being like, "Is there what cities are actually fun to play in?" I can't imagine as a as a like a player going to Foxborough, Massachusetts, and like probably staying at the Motel Eight is yeah. uh, is an Eating awesome. At the t- Applebee's and just like going to bed. <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you doing after yeah. this game? Nothing. No one's like, hey, who wants to drive an hour into Boston yeah. and go have some fun? Or right, it's like, you know, you're playing you're playing the Rapids. Like, who wants to drive an hour to Denver? Right. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's no fun in Utah. <laughs> if you went to Salt Lake City. But, uh, you know, stuff like that. But, okay, the, to get to the, the – anyways, I, I guess I was trying to get to the point of the, the opening goal for New England was a point-blank header. Right. And – it was a tough one to break down, Josh. Joshua, you kind of were like, "There's, I, you know, you see Zavaleta, who's unfairly is two guys yeah. with him, and it seems like no one kind of rolled off their guy. No one, no one really pitched in. 
you know, you had Vasquez there, you had Mavinga there, and then obviously Zavaleta, and then the, yeah, the, like I, I can't remember the name of the center back for New England is all alone. And it was one of those crosses that there's no there's no dip, there's no loop. It's like a line drive. Yeah. So it had tons of pace. And well, uh, to me, it's, that's Vasquez's man. Everybody. I, I said it, and I know I'm skipping ahead, but everybody looked defensively. Everybody looked lost tonight. So many players missed their missed their man in terms of marking. And and look, I, I just think that um, it maybe it's fatigue, uh, but that's where it showed tonight. That that goal. I mean, if it ends one zip, then that's perfect because it's like, look, you spend most of the game missing your markings and that that to me that was the biggest symptom of their kind of failure today. yeah and that was actually like maybe you could say in a way that was a little bit of the story of the game i mean it yeah. was it was they had a lot of trouble coping with and this is also i mean is it you call it credit to new england i mean we also talked about new england off the hop saying this is a strange team because they have so much firepower up top yeah. that isn't necessarily Living up maybe to expectations, yeah. but you're waiting for that to happen. I mean, you have Rowe, you have Wynn, right. Adigello, uh Camera, Bunbury. Um, all those guys are just, they're just dangerous. And this kind of result probably for them should be more common. Sure. And it, even if, now luckily, luckily, that's not the word I'm looking for. But anyways, after that opening goal, I mean, Toronto comes back. Unlucky for Toronto that Justin Morrow has that glorious chance uh, left side yeah. that you know you just kind of watch that and roll and you're like oh, I wish he'd hit it like right yeah you gotta hit it right away because he allowed the, an opportunity to come out and cut down the angle and yeah. it wasn't much but you know he, he had no choice if he holds it which he does he's got no choice but to go far post and it also showed Edwards naivety as a forward because he didn't make the run. Right. Too. He was just kind off of the post. off yeah. the post, right? He was watching the play. Watching the play. And the funny thing about that, for me, like if you want to talk about more for a second, is A, I mean, we obviously, we've seen him score on the short side. Did the last game. Yep. And we've seen him strike far post with his left foot. Yep. So was, that was just interesting that, you know, he really, did, he really needed to take it down. He needed to take a, like a slow touch. And then he tried to bring it back on his right foot, which was just everything that yeah we hadn't seen from him from the last two years. When like last year he scored a whole bunch of goals, and then this year he still looked pretty good. Um, and that was really, you know, you can maybe say that might have been a pivotal point for Toronto in the game, right? Because it would have made the score one-one. Might have might have changed the sort of like the dynamic and the confidence, momentum, and whatnot. But it certainly uh, from that point on. Yeah, I think the confidence would have been there, um, you know. But again, still very symptomatic of, of you know the entire game because it's just a lack of you know a lack of finish, just a, an entire lack of, of focus is 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 what I saw from them tonight. Just the, just very just not sharp at all. Yeah, and. And strange, I, I think it. I I just wonder if it's fatigue, just a, just a strange letdown. Yeah, or one of the again, like one of those games where you're like, it's this is a, this is a place that sucks to plan. Yeah, right. And you're like, and we are worn down. Uh, but you know, you got to add in that, it, like, you look at that roster and the lineup, and it probably wasn't. You know, I don't think any of us, 
if we had to like shake things up, this might this probably wouldn't have been the formation or the team we would have yeah. put together. If we had like everyone healthy, right? Like if we had right. Rob, even if Bradley's gone, yeah, you know, touch wood that Rick. I think gone. I think it was just an experimental lineup, right? Like I think if you're if if you want to grind out a gritty tie or a gritty draw when you know you're a man down, you yeah. would, you would do a more defensive oriented lineup. I thought it was kind of. Hey, we're this far ahead. We're already up in points. Yep. You know, let's see what we can do and let's figure out, you know, if this will work. And again, you know, again, you look at the lineup from an outsider, if you're not familiar with Toronto, and you have two wingbacks, two wingers, which seems not very useful of a yep. lineup. And then you have Javenko up front who likes to play that striker role, but he's not your typical target. He's certainly not your target man and your typical yeah. striker. And he can play off anybody, right? Sure. Like hindsight kind of thing would you almost put uh, uh vasquez and him up front and then have you know more of a defensive you know chapman maybe or yeah. something like that behind but um it is a tough game to kind of yeah like you said in hindsight to be like what would you what would you have done differently yeah yeah that's the and i think it's like maybe the solution is yeah you might you might have tried to come up with a more stubborn and like yeah. defensive format like maybe like obviously hindsight 2020 like maybe you do start trying to be like we're going to try to hold hold them off and see if we can get away with like a low sure. scoring or a nil nil well, that, that's, that's that's the you know the two things that i think if i was going to take two things from the game is number one the importance of bradley on this team and his yep. role in the team and the loss of johnson and not having a backup defensive midfielder to you know, at least provide um, um, some depth there. And then the second thing is is how valuable initially Altador is to us and and Ricketts being able to, you know, take Altador's place when Altador was hurt. And, and honestly, if you looked at this game, again, you know, the defensive lapses and all those things, but the irony is, is I think in a lot of the games we played in, those defensive lapses were already part of the team. Yeah. But were just not noticeable because we weren't looking at them. We weren't allowing goals, number one, so we weren't analyzing them at that level but second of all you know you're winning right and you're the confidence is on your side and the mm -hmm. other team is is down and the other and in most cases Toronto was at home so the other team didn't expect much out of the game anyway this is one thing with soccer is I think once you're down one nothing two nothing you know you're writing it off like to yeah. to analyze the third or fourth goal yeah. you allowed when you've already sort of lost the game it's you well know. yeah and you could see that frustration uh from Bono when he let in when that the third goal the header, which looked really strange to me. The, the ball bounces off the bar yeah. twice. I almost wonder if you really looked at that second bounce. I actually wonder if it bounced off the netting and not the oh, bar. Okay. That's, that was the okay. first thing. Yeah. That yeah. was the first thing I saw, and I was like, well, huh. Wind should take credit for the goal. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but Bono was very frustrated. and. and yeah, well, he, the two, the two. He things, played well, yeah, and he was the, he was hung up. The two things it. there was yeah, you, can't, that, you can't blame. That's probably like one takeaway is like oh, no yeah, one's gonna. Yeah. I don't think anyone's gonna look at Bono Absolutely. for this result, yeah. which is a good thing. Well, the two things there was is that was right after they put Azario on, and Azario was trapped back on the, on the defensive yep. play, so he's not really that guy. And then the other one was is Midvinga just sort of watching. Watching. <laughs> well, I think you know, like as we were like we've walked through this this match and kind of gone through it. Like, there's not. I don't think that this is one of those ones where I'm willing to kind of like, well, let's just get to the, let's just cut to the yeah, chase. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the only only thing I'll say from the second half, I think, is that, yeah, we saw Osorio come in and yeah. it looked like they changed the formation. You know, Zavaleta comes out. They wanted to and, do a four in the back. And they didn't know what the fuck was. I think no. that was like, once that happened, it was like Mavinga, like, 
You just it just didn't look like it with your two center backs. Yeah, you had, like Mavinga kind of plays this weird thing where it's like you know he's supposed to be a center back, but he's got the tendencies yeah. of a fullback, right? So it's like he's always cheating and he's always kind of going up. He isn't like a stay home, yeah, or a defensive yeah. defense first center back. And I think that showed as when they decided to go with that substitution. And you know when when we like I think we saw that I was like this is well and to we your, just got to get out of this and game. And to your question, no, but this is one other point. To your question about the starting eleven for the season, I think we now would, I would say that Haglin is probably a better option than Mavinga in center back. You would start Bradley, guaranteed, and then you would hope Eltador and Ricketts are ahead at least of Dravinko because Dravinko cannot handle the center forward role as a single striker. I've been saying for a while now that I think. Uh, Banny needs to start treating Seba as a player that you bring on late in the match uh, oh. when you need to. <laughs> I, know, I, know, that, I know. That'll go over well. Yeah, right. I, I, I think that's going to work great. I, I I know it won't, and I know, <laughs> but I won't. But I am telling you, I don't. I don't think what I've seen from Ricketts uh, the past month is a guy that that just comes out flying and and. But neither, neither him nor Seba can kind of sustain that for ninety minutes. Mm-hmm. I've seen it's, again. This yeah, is what yeah. I'm seeing. So, Altador, yeah, you play him as long as you can. Um, yeah. My my criticism for criticism Dravinko is just that we hold him such to a high standard sure. that if he was your average player, like I almost, if he was more of an average player. I don't think this performance would look as bad as it did, yeah. right? And 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 I think the bigger question, and again, you know, it's TFC, so it's all PR and all this kind of stuff. You'll probably never get the real story. But is there a motivation thing with Javinko in terms of his happiness over the past few weeks, his injury and all this kind of stuff? And so was he proving a point to his team saying, hey, you know, if you want me to put, you know, I made the reference tonight. And again, mm-hmm, I don't want to mm-hmm. make a big issue here, but I made the reference tonight. It was when Vince Carter, you right. know, was was a star of Toronto, and then at a certain point he decided, hey, you know, I'm not getting anything from this team extra, and I'm probably better off somewhere else, so I'm going to set my own rules now, and, you know, and yeah. until he, he basically quit on the team, right? And I'm not saying Javinko's going to do that, but maybe Javinko is saying, hey, you know, you can't just rely on me to, you know, put the team on my back every, you know, every well, game. Again, kind I, of but thing. I, but I, I think that's been proven that that's not, I mean... He during their winning streak, I think he played a third of the minutes through those. Yeah. Like I don't. Yeah. I don't think they're winning without him. Yeah, right. No, and no, you no. have to. You have to figure out how to maximize because he he played ninety today, and did he impact yeah. the game? Yeah. No. I would say. I would honestly say of games where I've seen Javinko play where he played the full ninety minutes. This was the worst performance. Yeah. I've, I've seen him since. But again, I think that's unfair to him because if you took any player and you said this is their worst performance yeah. and evaluated their whole career <laughs> yeah yeah because you know what like, gonna get, like, I think you think of the ebb and flow of a season or a player's career or whatever and it's like we've had this similar conversation with Altador yeah. right we're yeah. Yeah. like, yeah. We're like you, right yeah. we've been like, or, you, even yeah. with Ricketts yeah. I mean there's been games where Ricketts played 90 minutes and you're like I didn't even fucking see shit from him and yeah. again with Altador where for there's been points where you're like He's huge. Like, all the things you expect from him, none of them happen. So yep. I, I take all those points as valid, but I, I'm gonna, I'll i toss that into the pot, kind of saying, like, you know what I mean? Like, it, there's still tons of season to come yeah, through, and, and it might be something where, you know, maybe it's going to be something as simple as, yeah. like, Jovinko now is, like, his first season, 
he comes in, engages the league. The second season, you know, we have the success, engages the league, and then, then maybe this season he's like, oh, you know, like it's a fucking long haul. Yeah. And maybe I don't need to score 20 goals or 17 goals. Maybe I'm I'm gonna think I'm gonna pace myself. I don't know. I'm just yeah, kind of like yeah, I'm not trying to make yeah. excuses. I'm just trying to offer uh, an alternate theory. I think, well, again, I think we can all agree then. Like if we all have three different theories about what either a what's up with him, sure, or b what to do with him, mm. it's it's not a problem that's going to go away anytime soon. You know, we're going to be talking about this for a while. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Um, and the only yeah, the fine. only the only final point I would add with that is is that. You know, I think for what Javinko's given the team, I think that his opinion matters in terms of, like, it could be, you know, like, I don't want to put him in this situation where he's the troublemaker yeah. and this is why the team is, is before he's not performing. You know, maybe his points are valid, right? Like, maybe he, if he has issues with Vanny, maybe those are valid points. If he has issues with the MLS, maybe those are valid points. And, yeah. and, and maybe he's it's his that. own frustration yeah. that he's showing this, like, I'm not getting my story across sure so i'm going to show it on the pitch because that's the way i express myself right i know i know we're wrapping up the the sep talk but to me you have to have i <laughs> i know but you have to you have to have a player what he should I, be I showing the, on the pitch what the he should title be... for the podcast is sebastian Vinkel's not good enough for tfc <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you want views you want out. yeah you gotta have a, you gotta have a player yeah, if he's gonna right. if he's gonna do his talking or if he's gonna make his points on the pitch there's, there's better ways to, there's better ways to do it than kind of taking your foot off the gas and saying look like to me what he's he's what he's doing right now is a bit counterintuitive um, if he does want out which we kind of talked about then he's got to be scoring a lot more and attacking a lot more and and playing with composure that's what I think has been missing mm. from his game because then you're you're raising your own value as a player but this Seba thing is going to unfold it, as it, you know, does. He's, he's not one to, to shy away from, from the headlines. I have more theories about him, but I know that we, we don't have... <laughs> hey, we yeah, might be here all night. Yeah, hold on. Just hold yeah. on to them. We, we, anyways, so you know what? The, maybe the out, outro, outro the, the match itself, I, you know, like we kind of said, the, the, probably the main takeaways I think we probably might agree on was that, you know, Bradley, was a, that was probably a key factor. Yeah. Edwards-Jovinko as an attacking pair. Let's say no to that. Yeah. And the we can the dotted shirt for Vanny. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say either beige turtleneck or or pink. Yeah. Coming back for the next back. one. Okay. Uh, okay. So still got so uh, maybe like a, a little bit of time left. I, I thought uh, Joshua, since we have you on the podcast, we could probably get you know your unique input and insight on. Probably you know we do like whatever I run off like sights and sound like whatever sort of segments we try to do this and one mm-hmm. of them is as we call smoke and mirrors which is like the media spin of things okay um or like media talk and obviously this week one of the there's a lot of stuff through the week but the one that i thought was interesting that you know generated a lot of conversation was a tweet from john molinaro that came out where he was sort of saying and i think it's you know there is kind of we can maybe weave it in somehow because you know uh Trumpsy does great at home the away games not so much and again, I'm sure this New England game on TSN, the numbers are probably not. Yeah, you know, they probably were probably hoping there was so, a cur- there's probably hoping those curling tonight. Well, uh, Saturday, and they're up against Game Three of the Cup Finals. Yeah, so it's I mean, tough. So, but so then you know, John obviously did a tweet, uh, and I think it's of interest to all of us because and and you know, you direct and sort of I guess me and Aaron in, in our own capacity and right. me on the periphery uh, as part of the media, you know, sort of saying last week, you know, after. 
what's been an incredible run for Toronto. It was a Monday, and there was one. He was the only one at practice, sort of right. covering the team. Um, and I, you know, you got offered some clarification on that that I wasn't aware of. And then, you know, there's some probably some discussion on the overall media coverage of Toronto FC. We could go on after that. Well, he again, Molinero's tweet was basically summing up the fact that as good as Toronto FC have been lately, uh, there was one reporter there. And this is a Monday after a win. To, to add some clarification, there are generally anywhere between, well, one and I would say six or seven reporters there. Uh, Toronto FC will hold media availability a few times a week, throughout the week usually, throughout the working week, I mean. Um, and I didn't, you know, I, I was kind of, the reason I wasn't there at training, I teach part-time, I was in a class, and um, I think Molinero was was more, I know what he told me afterwards, he was more upset that some of the um, television stations haven't been around. Uh, it wasn't an attack on, on the, the three or four reporters that are there, you know, most days of the week. I think it, he was kind of um, harping at a lot of publications just indifference and then he said editorial indifference towards the team mm. which i do understand because it's the summertime yeah. you've got you have literally one team that's competing against you and that's the jays uh and they're not doing very well at all this is a team toronto fc that's building off an incredible run last year yeah and still this team is fighting 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 for um legitimacy in the eyes of the media so it's weird you get it to an extent um but the thing yeah that well, it, it's interesting because last year and yeah. it was a little later on because it was during the Eltador when no one's appreciating him yeah it was there was the argument no one's giving Toronto FC enough respect right and um you know and I agree with that I think that's true you know, my two issues has always been since Toronto C has such a big PR firm, most of the news and information we're getting from Toronto C is Toronto C light and stuff like that. Through so, like the official channels. Yeah, through the official channels and stuff like that. So we're not getting a lot of investigative reporting. We're not getting a lot of, you know, he said, she said. We're not getting a lot of interesting stories, which, which part, you know, is their brand and they want to protect it that way. And, you know, mm -hmm. that's fine and, and everything like that. I think the other issue is, you know, and this was the argument, you know, that I was making last year, was people in those positions, they are the ones who sort of dictate that conversation, right? So when you turn on sports radio, they're choosing to talk about hockey because the, the people who hired the sports radio, that's their, you know, sure. uh, topic du jour. And so, again, it's, it's kind of a chicken and egg kind of thing, but it's hard to hold people who are putting an effort out there accountable because you know, I think yep. they're doing the best they can do. And, and you know, the re reality is, is is some of the guys you said or, you know, who don't show or haven't shown up, you know, a lot of their articles are they getting a lot from going. You know, that would be one yeah, of my questions. That, well, that, yeah, that, that would be my question. Let me, like, you can handle this however you want because I thought that, I think if someone tweeted out there and I, I kind of wonder myself, is like, how do you find, you know, you're in the mix with, like, you know, the with journalists who are kind of running writing in yourself for like sort of I guess you call them maybe like independent outlets okay but then you're up against you know the in-house team is doing the exact same coverage and they have access 
they have kind of like the access, it's the access and whatnot that maybe you don't kind of get or the benefit. It's I, I'm just trying to like I'm trying to well, find give, the, I'm I'll, trying to find the question I'll of like you, I'll how do you, you navigate? I'll give you a quick example. If I wanted to, because I do articles and stuff like that, right? Now I've never really had great interest in doing match reports and stuff like that. But if I chose to do match reports of TFC two this year or for the past three years, most of them would be critical. Right, most of them would say this is the reason the team's failing. This is what the team needs to do. This is how the team needs right. to improve. First of all, you know, just to what we're talking about, there's not much interest in TFC two, so that's not going to get much readers. But if TFC two is releasing their own press release on this game, saying, you know, these boys did very well, and look at all the Canadian guys on this team, the audience is going to go to that, opposed to going to the counter. Sort of. Uh, I, th- I think people get their news and in, in, in their analysis in a variety of different like places and ways. Yeah. I think your question was. I didn't quite get to the question. No, <laughs> no. So I th- you know, I think my I think my question was just like, how do you? I mean, what do you what do you think of that? You know what I mean? And do, do you find that does it affect how you approach covering Toronto FC? You know what, what I mean? mean like, like the in-house team? Yeah, like it's um, like you know, do you ever find that like you're up against that and you're like, oh, this is tough because they obviously have the in that I don't and if I try these hard other angles that might be different from them does that put me on the outside no listen I I will say this and and I know how this will make me sound but I think full credit needs from my end full credit needs to go to Toronto FC's uh, media relations staff because they do their absolute best to make every player available to you when if and when you need them I, I, I can't even I can think I can count on maybe one hand the amount of times over the past two years where a player hasn't been available to me. So they make the players available. Generally, what Toronto FC will try and do is is build on um, the news of the day, whereas a lot of other reporters, myself included, will try to craft longer features where you have to talk to different people to put together a bigger story that kind of has a, a longer arc. So I, I don't I don't think about it as like look Toronto FC is still in a position where they are thankful for the coverage they get even if it's critical coverage and the other week when we had our you know I took part in this footy talks Bez uh, mentioned it and it's true there are most other teams in MLS would kill for the coverage that Toronto yeah, FC does true. get. Like, you are not getting... Okay, on a, on a very good day, there's six, seven reporters at a Toronto FC practice. And that's a little... Like, you are not getting that at any other MLS team. You're not. Um, the other thing that, that I want to say, and I mentioned it to you, and, and I, I believe it. Like, we're in the dog days of summer for this season. The season started early. Because they went so far last year general perception Joe Q public is okay so if they are a playoff team wake me when the playoffs start because you know these these games an away game to to New England it's not gonna and they're gonna look at the standings like oh they're still in first place okay well wake me up like you look at teams across sports Mm. You know, you're wearing a, a Warriors hat. You yeah. think people are turning in, tuning into every single? No, no, no. Like know? again, the 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 interesting thing about this argument is I've always been on the other side. That, right. That the coverage, as you said, that actually the coverage for Toronto is very good, but the coverage is reflective of the interest in the product. 
right? Yes. And because yes. because the Blue Jays get a million people watching every night and get 30,000 people in the stadium, even though it's a pointless game in the middle of May, will still be context, right? But The ironic thing to me is that so the Jays have actually been in Toronto for a long time. They've done a good job at embedding themselves in the psyche of the city. <laughs> They're the boys of summer. To me, it's it's ironic because we all know that soccer is by far the biggest game around the world. And you have people from all over the city that have come different parts of the world, or maybe not, and they grew up with the game. But, so it's a very old game and it has a lot of history to it. Toronto FC is not an old team. They have yet to embed themselves in the psyche of the kids in this city. Once you get a, you know, once you get a generational kind of turn and it's like, oh yeah, my dad grew up. Like, yeah, well, I grew up well, watching. And, and, and I don't, you don't have to lose in the podcast you don't want to, but I think the Canadian <laughs> Premier League will <laughs> change interest, public Again. interest, right? Because it will make it a national story and it'll make it an everyday story. You see CFL, for example. CFL doesn't deserve the coverage it gets, but gets the coverage because it's been able to sell the story that we're a national sure. story that matters. And and reality is, as you said, a, a Friday or it's a Saturday night game and the for TFC right now it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. And again, I, I, I believe it's a generational thing. I believe that once you have uh, parents that pass on TFC to their, their kids, sure. say I was, you know, because I grew up watching Leafs games because they're on TV because my dad wanted to watch them. Yeah. And and so once that kind of turns over, I, I know it's it's tough to say because they're they're a great team and they're you know they're they're winning. But like when the Jays were winning in in 85 and 89 they weren't like it it was still a new thing the team's only 12 years old yeah yeah, Yeah. you know so you have i I really do think you have to give it time and to come back to 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 john i i I like john i i i consider john i've got a good oh yeah professional relationship (laughs) with him right um but you have to understand that that the games right now are not they're not going to move the needle. Yeah. You know, I, well, and again, you're just going to have like this is, you know, a gigantic debate because you're debating the presence of media and the sport itself, yeah. right? And and the the pressure on the media is probably greater than the pressure on the sports because Toronto FC is probably going to exist in Toronto for the next 20, 30 years. People writing articles on teams in the fashion they do now might not be right. No, just the sports media landscape. Like I am incredibly, incredibly fortunate. I hope my employers are listening. I am incredibly <laughs> fortunate to be working for a company that is is trying to make positive changes to an industry that is crumbling. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, John works for Sportsnet. Sportsnet is without a doubt the biggest sports you know media outlet here mm-hmm. in Canada right now and they have the and I don't want to say luxury but they have the ability to put people in different places not every publication yeah. can do that I mean the Toronto Star biggest newspaper in the city the person that they send to Toronto FC games is also their Blue Jays beat writer yeah God bless her so it's not as if the resources are there and I've had to fight to, to, to get more TFC coverage because I think there's a lot of very interesting stories in and around this team. Um, but look, it's it's just going to take time. Once you win that first title, it'll people will really really perk up, and you know, 
if if that goal goes in, you know, and, and Fry doesn't make that save, that we're not having this conversation now. It's very, very different, you know, because once that team... Broken social scene is laying on the base. What the <laughs> fuck They are that? laying on the That's base. Intense, eh? It's like something, uh, someone awry. So the spaceship came down. Will you, here, let me, like, let's just do, a, like, one last segue. Sure. Now, I'll serve this up on a platter for you, Joshua. Oh, boy. But just the last, I think the last outro is, like, to kind of, I'm going to kick it to you. Because um, this is the first time on the podcast. And I think, you know, people should look into who you are and who you're writing for, which is The Athletic. And uh, in tying that in with the footy talks that just took place, sure. if you can, I mean, I'm pretty much going to give you just the mic to kind of say like, A, how that event went, because there's another one coming up. Yeah. And then B, sort of just like, your, you know, how you got looped into that through The Athletic and sort of like what people can be expecting from you sure. on that site and how that's going. So The Athletic, uh, it's a sports media startup uh, founded by two guys who had a few incredibly successful apps and they believe that the future of sports journalism isn't just entirely app-based. Uh, started in Chicago, accredited by all the big teams in Chicago, expanded to Toronto and I originally got involved um, I was asked to come on as a hockey writer and I said, okay, but I've always wanted to cover TFC. The Athletic uh, is a subscription-based site uh, with no ads. We avoid, you know, fluffy journalism. Uh, we try to avoid lists as often as possible. We think of ourselves... <laughs> what? As no a, top fives? As well... Top ten. What's coming I out said, on Monday? if possible. <laughs> uh, BuzzFeed, baby. Yeah. Bring it on. Uh, what's coming out for me on Monday? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so it's a lot of... Um, it's a lot of uh, really in-depth reporting. Uh, credited, we're accredited with every team in Toronto, and it's been great covering TFC so far because my goal is to tell the stories of players away from the pitch. Um, you can get because we're a sub-based site. Uh, you know, we have to offer something that people aren't getting elsewhere, and to me, that's helping TFC fans get to know these these guys away from yeah. the pitch, uh, and because they're. They're all interesting people, but, you know, we all know that uh, Jose Bautista loves booster juice, right? But we don't know a lot about who these guys are. So that's been my job, and, and I encourage everybody to check it out and, and send me feedback not only on, on the stories, but also what you would like to see. And in terms of footy talks, um, Kevin Kennedy runs, who, who did own a few bars in Toronto, he had always wanted to do it at I think he likes to call it TED Talks for sports fans. Uh, started with Pitch Talks, had great success. It's now selling out the Phoenix. This was the first, and he's done Puck Talks, Hoop Talks. This was the first Footy Talks, and I somehow convinced Bez to come on, and I spent half an hour interviewing him, and there's two other panels, one with Molinaro and Armstrong talking TFC, and there was a few guys from Sportsnet, TSN talking Champions League and the Premier League, um, and I had a spot with Bez for half an hour and, and again it sold out people are are all in because you know I think still somehow soccer fans feel a bit marginalized uh, in this city so it's a great event to, to get kind of it's you know everybody's drinking beer everybody's talking about it in a very relaxed manner in a very but a very informative manner too um great. And you, did you find the audience like were they very much into it and the questions they're asking was so very... i was kind of when i'm putting together my questions for bez i'm trying to give some 
not necessarily softballs, but I'm trying to maybe use questions that would introduce him to uh, an audience that might not really know who he is or what his role is, and then try and dig a bit deeper. And then we took some audience questions, and these were fantastic in-depth questions about what's you know the state of the academy or you know what are you doing to improve you know this small aspect of the on-field performance or the, or the entire atmosphere at games so it's it's fantastic people well, they are, used to have those tfc pub nights right yeah where, where the, where yeah. i remember those were a shit show yeah <laughs> yeah they, yeah i did well then i remember the end of the season they used to do they like the beginning of the year or something yeah like that. Crazy stuff, and so it was at the Rivoli, right? And there's another one coming up, October fifth. Uh, so you be involved with that one as well? I assume so. I'll, I'm generally there at all these talks, um, but yeah, I, we are we are trying to get a few people. I don't want to give anything away too soon, but I, it, there's something for TFC fans, and there's something for fans of you know Champions League and 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 uh, Premier League. I don't really get involved with those i'm yeah, a bundesliga guy but yeah so uh <laughs> but no i encourage everyone to check it out uh footy talks it's through homestand sports it's uh it's great stuff yeah great cool. okay so you know what we'll wind it we'll wind it down literally like all the way down at that you know uh broken social scene sounds like they're finishing their set so it's, the timing yeah. could be right yeah everyone knows aaron nielsen you're at prospect 11 yep. and emb sports yep uh, you're at a busy time of year. You're going to be doing a lot of. Uh, what are you doing? You said you got a lot of work coming up with previews and stuff like that. Are you? Well, no, no. I do the end of the year statistics and scouting for a lot of Europeans. Speaking of European soccer, so it's sort of my space from MLS and and American soccer. But when summer rolls around, you know, I'll get more into it. And then I also sort of jumping ahead on the Canadian Premier League with sort of prospects and people to look at for the right. Canadian Premier League. Yes, watch like out that. for that. Right. Yeah. Joshua, people can find you. So what's it? It's, I'm assuming the Athletic has its own handle, and they should yep. go there. And yep. then you the yourself. Athletic.com slash Toronto, and then I'm at Joshua Cloak, K-L-O-K-E. Um, again, I'm at TFC twice, three times a week, and I'm at every game. So follow for insightful, sometimes insightful, generally not uh, coverage. Um but yeah, like I said, we're we're trying to, to get uh, I'm trying to get the TFC coverage off the ground with the athletic, and uh, again, it's it's something very different than, than what you'll find at, at other outlets. Great, cool, cool. All right, and everyone knows uh, you can get me at Clark R N O or info red or info or have your say redNationOnline.ca or just at the Red Nation Online Twitter handle. Uh, so let's think what we got coming up ahead. It's probably. Probably looking at the next home game, which is against DC United, uh, Saturday the seventeenth, seven thirty p.m. So we'll, I guess we'll all be there. So I yep. would say to the listener, look for Joshua at the the Athletic and uh, on Twitter, and Aaron will probably be looped around the next away games or next home game or whatever. And everyone knows where to find me. So thanks a lot, Joshua, for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me, Aaron. Good to see you again. Yep. And uh, as we always exit, thanks a lot for listening, guys. And we'll catch you next time. want you to get involved reach out to us on twitter at red nation online or by email at info or have your say at rednationonline.ca get in touch with us let us know how you thought the team did agree disagree it doesn't matter also check out our other podcasts on red nation online from the black hole ours is the fury in our interview series 
Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time.